Welcome to the Vanity Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today will be George Plaster. This show is sponsored by the Well Coffee House, a Nashville-area coffee house that provides fresh roast coffee along with house-made pastries, breakfast, and lunch offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area, Brentwood, Green Hills, Downtown, and Bellevue. You can get more information at wellcoffeehouse.org, the Well Coffee House where coffee changes lives. We thank our co-sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center, which is located in the Gulch. Today's news is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in any type of accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. Vanderbilt loses two of three in baseball in Arizona. It will start a two-game series with South Alabama, those games on Tuesday and Wednesday. The men's basketball team gets blown out at Florida on Saturday and now will travel to Tennessee on Tuesday night. The guest line is brought to you by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduate Scott and Missy Tannen. I've slept on their sheets for years and they're amazing. Had no clue how comfortable sheets could be until I got those. They are fair trade certified, which means they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. George Plaster joins me from Nashville Sports Radio. George, thanks for joining me today. Once again, it was a heck of a weekend. Chris, it was, and uh, it's been a crazy, I don't know, three, four weeks now. And uh, my suspicion is it's going to get crazier. People were, at the end of Malcolm Turner's tenure, asking me a lot about facilities and what's coming and those sorts of things. And those are still legitimate questions, and they were then. But the thing that I tried to tell people was, I think the bigger story is what's going on with Turner and Vanderbilt and how long will he last. That turned out to be how it played out. And my sense now is people are still asking the same questions about facilities and where that will go. I still think there's a lot of stuff to sort out. I think that's more important about the climate of athletics and that's where I'm still focusing my attention rather than the facilities and things. I think those are outputs of maybe where things are going. And I think they could potentially put a good face on it in a few weeks. But I still don't think that will address the fundamental issues underneath Vanderbilt sports. And I said this to you off air. People have had questions about me digging into things and motives and things like that. Look, it kind of occurred to me in the last few weeks There's always been a lot of griping about Vanderbilt and by fans and pointing fingers and, oh, it's the admin, it's the board of trust, it's Nick Zeppos, it's whoever. And a lot of finger pointing, but it always has kind of become urban legend. And you never know what's legit and what's people just mouthing or what's people just regurgitating things that they've heard in a mindless way and my thing the last couple months and really in the last few weeks is let's dig in on some of this stuff and see where the fingers need to be pointed, where the system has flaws, who are the people getting in the way, who are the people trying to support athletics, all those things. I've asked a lot of questions. I've gotten answers to some things I didn't know. I still think there's a lot of stuff out there under the radar 
that I've not been able to articulate yet for a number of reasons. When you do reporting like this, sometimes the most damning things you have are background that you can't use. I think in some cases, that's what I've kind of been sitting on. I've relayed some things to people, but maybe not some of the worst of things. Uh, There's some things that I've found as I've looked into this that I never knew to look for. It's just taken on a life of its own, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is a lot of what I'm trying to do is really dig in and see what is fair, what is not fair, because I don't think anybody's ever looked into this whole thing and says, okay, this is how the process works. This is where athletics gets hung up. These are the difficulties they face. These are the places where they could help. Everybody's just kind of said for years, oh, the the admin doesn't care. To me, that's just not a good enough answer. Well, first of all, I probably know a little bit more about the level of research that you've been doing. And I commend you for the, the, the amount of hours and work and toil, whatever you want to call it, that you put into all of this. Right now is a tough time at Vanderbilt. It's not like the teams are giving people much to root for. They go down to Florida a few nights ago, down by 30 most of the night. The final score isn't as indicative of how bad they got beat. The women go to South Carolina tonight. I mean, tomorrow, excuse me, last night in a really difficult setting where they're playing the number one team in the country and they get beat by something like 53. So it's not as though a lot of the teams right now are giving anybody anything to focus on. So now they're looking at, at other things. And when you start looking at other things, there are a couple, three fundamentals that sort of stick out. One of them being that the school doesn't seem to really trust the athletic department. This is a, this is a deal that the faculty has been involved in for years and they've spread it. And I'll say this, they've spread it beautifully that, you know, if you let athletics get an inch, they'll take a mile and you've got to keep your thumb under them and you can't give them anything. Fundamental number two is that this school doesn't seem to go the way a lot of schools go, which is if athletics does well, you need to take advantage of it because it will help you in other areas. You know, it'll help the the number and the variety of people who attempt to get into your school. Vanderbilt doesn't seem to to go with that at all. They don't seem to to buy it. They seem to be the only school in the country that hasn't figured this out. And for all of the Vanderbilt's a smart institution, this particular point is downright stupid. The third one is a battle that goes on at a lot of schools, and it has to do with with fundraising. Who gets to talk to whom? For instance, Let me make up one that's bizarre. Let's just say tomorrow that I inherit, I don't know, let's make up $25 million out of some Greek tycoon over in Athens, Greece, who has been listening to my show, you know, on the internet and loves my work. I know this is a little far-fetched, but all of a sudden I've got $25 million and the battle starts. 
the school says, well, we're going to be the ones to talk to him. And the athletic department says he was one star announcer. If he's going to give anybody any money, it'll be us. The voice clinic people will say, wait a minute, we treated him in 2006. We know how he feels about us. And so you have these little turf wars that go on internally. And I'll admit they go on in a lot of schools about who gets to talk to whom about what. And at this school in particular, I don't think they handle this very well. I have about three things that are sort of overriding themes and not necessarily in order of importance, but the first thing, the fundraising end. And people have argued with me about some of my takes on things. They were very strong based on what I wrote and released Sunday night. I still stand by that. There are reasons that I stand by that. When I'm going about doing a story, the first priority is make sure that the sources I have stay safe. And so that's part of it. I could have been more pointed with some of the things that I've, that I've written than I even was. In terms of fundraising, I don't know how to put this. It's almost like, and it's again, this is right in front of people because I wrote about it and you saw the press release that the school used when it announced it. It was the George Huber gift. And from what I understand, in fact, I know this is fact. I heard it from multiple places and I know where this came from. There was supposed to be a matching campaign. I think there still is a matching campaign for athletics, whereby what is donated to the school is matched. I think if the donation is over $250,000, the school matches dollar for dollar. And that was a way that this was set up in the beginning in order to get athletics a head start with the things that everybody knew needed to be done. And then when... Zeppos left. I think that became harder. The school never has made that public because it doesn't want what it feels is bad PR from getting that message out there, basically, from what I'm told. And again, the proof is right in front of you. Look at the, the PR release from Vanderbilt on the Huber gift, and they didn't announce the matching. I'm like, there was never a better place to announce the matching component than there because that encourages people to give and to get involved and to help out. But at this point, I know that Susie Stallcup was a thorn in his side to some degree. I don't know all the particulars of that. Susie Stallcup is the person who leads the university development. I know that those two clashed. And again, you look at this in the environment where the fundraising arm, which is the Commodore Club, had been moved to the Lowe's Vanderbilt Plaza right when the Tennessean stuff came out in the summer of 2018. The object of that was to keep athletics under the thumb of the university so where they could watch what they were doing and limit their influence. I think they're back now over McGugan, uh, but that's not the point. The point is the climate has been such, and it's gone back. And right now, George, it's almost like fundraising for athletics has almost taken on sort of the, the look of concocting a drug deal where you have to keep a lot of it secret, it almost looks like, at least in terms of the matching component that's been the case. Well, here's an area where I do feel like I know a little something based on the three years that I worked at Belmont. Belmont Athletics is blessed with a really good young head of fundraising, head of the Bruin Club, a guy named Russell Grimm, 
Uh, I'm not sure he wants his name out on this podcast, but what the heck. Russell and I have become really good friends, and I think he is one of the bright young administrators of the future. Russell spent an awful lot of time in our athletic department, um, probably spent, you know, more than 50% of his time in our athletic department meetings. I can't tell you how many times his feedback helped us in situations of, of issues that we would discuss. How should we do things? I go back to Rick Bird's 800th victory celebration. The, the point I guess I'm making is that I didn't think that was a very good move. Uh, in fact, I, I don't see anything that could possibly be positive about it. But it sort of goes to the whole deal that you've got a university that doesn't really value athletics. And that's so unfortunate because it's, it's a stupid philosophy and they're missing out on a lot of benefits. All, I think, faculty-driven sort of this red scare that take a mile and they'll just, they'll ruin the school. And this is where I think the Board of Trust has to start looking into things. I think it has been dysfunctional for so long. I think everything has always been a patch. Okay, we'll bring in Malcolm Turner in order to fix this. And it just all went sideways. Uh, and frankly, I think the question you and I have as much as anything, I think there's a lot more evidence. They were trying to let Malcolm dig his own grave than they were trying to help him. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate. And I, I don't know at this point when he figured that out because they brought him here to do a job. We now think under sort of semi-false pretense. And it, it's just really unfortunate because, you know, this is a, a gentleman that had a really good uh, running the G League. He makes what is a huge career decision based on the things that he was told during the interview process, and he finds out pretty quickly that none of it's going to happen, that's just not right. It isn't. I will disagree with you on one thing. I don't know that they brought him in under false pretenses. All the evidence I have points to him having a lot of power and authority to do what he did. Now, again, I don't agree with how he did everything. I think that there were some expenses that were unnecessary. I still have questions about the consulting end of things. But again, it is black and white. Vanderbilt allowed that to happen. Vanderbilt knows the cost of consulting. So if Vanderbilt thought the consulting expenses were inappropriate, Vanderbilt should have stepped in and stopped it in the beginning they not only allowed it, but consulting expenses have to be approved ahead of time. So, again, that's why I look to, were they trying to help Malcolm? Were they trying to help the university? Or was something else in play? And that is where I go back to pretenses, okay? I do think that Malcolm had a lot of power to change a lot of things. I mean, the basketball staff that everybody gripes about. Uh, people complain about it, and people complain about it a lot, but he had the power to do it. Now, I would question whether that was a wise decision in some ways, but again, nobody put a stop to it, so there was that. I think what happened is I think that once Zeppos left, you had an interim chancellor in Susan Winty who just wasn't on board with it. I don't think it was false pretenses. I think the conditions literally changed. I really think that's what happened. 
Well, let's take that a little bit farther because if Nick Zeppos gave Malcolm Turner that kind of authority and that kind of, hey, get us up to speed, it was up to him to go to Wente before he left and say, look, you need to understand here are the parameters under which he was brought in. I would really appreciate it if this continued. First of all, I would hope he did that. Secondly, if he did do that, I would hope that she would have been truthful enough to say to Zeppos, I'm not in agreement with this at all. And that then is where you get all that squared away where Malcolm Turner knows whenever it was August or whatever, that, okay, the rules of engagement have totally changed, but I don't get the sense that that's really what happened and shame on all parties that he had to find that out on the fly. I have defended the board of trust to this point in all this And that's still right where I am, but this is about to hit a tipping point because when things go haywire, it is the board's responsibility to step in and take a look. I don't know whether it will do that or not. It should. There are angles of this story that I have not even hinted at that even predate anything that involved Turner. So I think, in a minimum, based on what I've been told, and Vanderbilt has investigative power that I don't, there's at least enough concern that this needs to be looked into And it needs to be looked into independently. But there's also one other thing, okay? I understand that a large and very vocal, I don't know if it's large, but certainly a very vocal component of that university does not support athletics. Frankly, probably wishes it would go away. But you work at a school that is in probably the best athletic conference in the country across the board. You get a massive eight-figure check from the SEC every year. With that goes some responsibility, You have a responsibility if you're charging admission to your events and if you're taking donations for athletics. You have a responsibility to those people to provide a good product. They're not doing that right now. And again, whether people like sports or not is a problem. I don't really care for fine art, but I know enough to know if I had a Picasso, I would not leave it out in the elements in the wind and the rain. You have to recognize the value of something. Look, if the board doesn't start taking some steps, and it's got to be more than just John Ingram, who I think, frankly, is probably getting fed up with some of this stuff. But the last line of the mission statement is excellence in all endeavors. I mean, look at what is going on. The football program lost to UNLV. The women's basketball program has been a disaster for six years. The men's basketball program is in the worst stretch of basketball over about a year-plus stretch. I mean, it's lost 30 or 31 conference games. That's the worst stretch in the history of the league. I mean, this is not excellence in all endeavors. And if the board doesn't take some steps to look into some some of these things and say, hey, this is part of what we are doing. This is part of what the school is. This is what we are, and this is part of our mission, so it's part of our duty. If they don't do that, then it's just, at that point, like I said, it becomes negligent. Let me talk a little bit about board of trust, not that I'm some big expert, but I am on a board of trust uh, of a school I love with all my heart, Battleground Academy. You know, and I'm sure some of the charges are the same. I I make the joke uh, when people ask, how did you get on there? I always say, well, they thought I had money. 
Well, what they truly knew was that I cared and that I had deep passion for the school. Being on that board of trust, I have a responsibility to try to monitor what's going on. And if I see something that I don't think is going right, then I need to step up, be somebody who says to the rest of the board, this is an issue, we need to talk about it. I'm not sure I really understand a college board, because what you have for the most part, the majority of people on that board are not from this area. They have no idea for the most part, what's going on in athletics. They come in three or four times a year. They are fed what I'm call will call happy news. The bowling team is one. The baseball team is one. Don't look over here. You know, football's just football. What most of these board members, and I'll exclude John Ingram from this, what they don't ever feel is the fan frustration when their facility you know, doesn't work when chairs are broken, when, you know, it's outdated. And oh, by the way, 70% of the crowd is the visiting team. They don't feel that frustration. And frankly, I think it's pretty easy to believe they don't give a damn. You know, this is a prestige deal. They've got enough money. They get on a board. They do a tad bit of due diligence and off we go. I don't think they have a clue what the hell's going on here? You know, you can give me all the, oh, they're briefed and they're updated. Give me a break. They don't know. No, they don't. I promise you they don't know. I promise you they have no idea what they would find if they dug deep and went into an independent investigation. I don't mean one run by the school. I mean one outside where people can actually talk about the stuff that goes on. But I spent 17 years in higher ed at three different places. I've got a master's degree, so I'm not anti-education. I spent a long time in an executive-level position. Granted, it was a very small school, but there are similarities that go across the board. And I sat in on board meetings at times where the place I worked, things were really wrong, and money was being misspent, and priorities were not in line with the school. I mean, some of it was right in front of the board, and they never figured it out. And certainly some of it was well hidden under the surface, and they did not know the questions to ask to figure it out. And I, the board has a duty to look into things, and it has a duty to ask questions because I found this out as I reported on this and have looked into the story. I've spent, I don't even know how many hours the last few weeks on phone calls and you ask a question, and then the answer that you get is not what you expected, and then that yields two or three other questions, and then somewhere deep into that, somebody drops a bombshell on you, and you're like, holy cow, I had no idea to look for what you just told me. Honestly, I have worked more hours in higher ed than I have as a sports writer. Anyway, George, that was a mouthful, so I'll just let you respond to all that, and then we may just go ahead and move into the mailbag at this point. Are you saying that we need to put out the, listen, folks, you're not going to get the last five minutes of your life back? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's head to the mailbag then. Let's do that. Let's see. 
Today's mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood. If you're looking for a one-stop shop to take care of your insurance needs, Josh has you covered. Call him today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or at facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about it here. Mr. Vandy says, with everything that's gone on in the last couple of weeks, should we as fans be concerned that nothing is going to change with athletics? Oh, absolutely. Look, I think past history makes you a little cynical about all of this. Uh, of course, I think the answer should be. I mean, just based on past history, you have to worry about where all this is going. The Superior says, what behind-the-scenes issue or issues surrounding Vanderbilt football, or what were the behind-the-scenes issues or issues surrounding Vanderbilt football during Rod Dowhower's first season? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I, I was probably closer to Rod Dowhower than anybody else, and I really liked him. Was he equipped to make the transition from, you know, professional football to college. Like uh, admission standards changed uh, an awful lot from when DiNardo left to when he started into his recruiting. And he got frustrated enough with it where he just said to hell with it. And at the end of the second year, I guess they mutually parted ways. I can remember doing a radio show with him where he, you know, the weekly radio show where he ended up telling me that at the end of the year, he was going to bag it. (laughs) And I said to him, I said, have you told your wife this? And he said, no. And I said, well, I think she needs to know before I do. (laughs) Probably so. Uh, the best yeah. Dalhauer story I ever had, a, a friend of mine had walked onto the team and was coming as a freshman. And, you know, his experience was a little different. He wasn't, I, I don't even know if he was an invited walk-on, but he was walking on. So he has no idea what college football is about. They sit down and they're having a team meeting. And um, <laughs> Dalhauer is going over the schedule and it's like, uh, Alabama. We're probably not going to win that one. Georgia, we're probably not going to win that one. Ah, Kentucky, we might have a chance. <laughs> and went all down the list, just very uh, very transparent about his thoughts. And my buddy was like, well, I wasn't quite sure what I was signing up for, but I didn't expect that. We're going 2-9. <laughs> I think that's how it panned out. <laughs> you know, he had a, he had a son, Darren, who was playing minor league baseball at the time. And Darren had just gotten back into town. And I was, I I want to say it was a Wednesday. I was driving down to Atlanta to see the Braves and the Cardinals in the playoffs. And uh, I had an extra ticket. And so Darren rode down there with me. And uh, we got into some good conversation on the way down. I have no idea what's, uh, what's going on with Rod since then. But um, that's a name out of Vanderbilt football that uh, makes you realize you're getting old because that's been over 20 years ago. Wow, I didn't think of it like that, but yes, it has. Yeah. 
George, anything else before we end the podcast today? No, I think mercifully for all, <laughs> we're going to end this. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, uh, you know, I don't know what to say anymore. But anyway, I will be on your show, I think, from 2.20 to 3 on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. And uh, I think the tables will be turned. Um, anyway. <laughs> and with that, we shall end. We'll, wait. We'll come up with a la- uh, a mailbag for you. Turn that lightning round back on you. Be careful what you wish for. Oh, I hear you. All right. He's George Plaster. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. <laughs>